Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. We're going to eventually finish up this three-week series on tithing tonight, but before we do, I want to read a passage out of Luke 4, what the Lord was saying specifically over tonight. Can we put this on the overhead? It's verses 38 through 43. This is, is talking about Jesus. And it says, Then he got up and he left the synagogue and entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked her, and they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever and it left her, and she immediately got up and waited on them. While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons were also coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. And rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. When when daytime came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose." Filtering a message never leads to life or to breakthrough. And when it comes to scripture, when it comes to Jesus, um, we'll never filter his job, his mission, his words. And it, it, it grieves the Holy Spirit that so many times the church becomes pleased with ourselves for focusing and centering our church services around flashy video announcements and gimmicky sermons it grieves him and I I just I just see Jesus on the cross asking is that what I paid for is that what I'm doing this for and there's nothing wrong with great video announcements and all that stuff but why as the church the capital C church historically have we been trying to fit God into 15 minute worship sets and 20 minute sermons is that the biblical model is that what he paid for is that his heart? You know, it's, yeah, it's everywhere. And Jesus paid way too high of a price for us not to take him up on the things that he paid for. And so before we talk about anything else, we're going to take him up on things that he's paid for. The point of church isn't to come and learn. It's not to fellowship. It's not even to read your Bible. The point of church The goal is to meet with our beloved. Is to meet with our beloved. We come to have personal contact with him. That's why we're here. To lavish him with adoration. And we will never bypass the opportunity of giving him what he's worthy of. Even if it means staying a few minutes longer. Even if it means staying on a song during worship for a few more verses. Turn your hearts to him now. Now. Because we're never going to pursue information over adoration. Today is the day to receive the touch from the Lord. Not tomorrow, today. And I felt like the Lord say, 
do you think I'm going to be more ready tomorrow or next week? Like he, he doesn't get any more ready than he is right now. And so today we're going to receive from the Lord. And, and he said today he's going to heal and restore marriages. Not globally, not in Hawaii, but like in this room. Not somebody else, you. Why not you? Why not now? Can you name a better day this week for him to do it? He's going to set captives free. Today, not tomorrow. He's going to lose chains of addiction tonight. He's going to breathe life into dead things. Bodies are going to be healed. Specifically, I think it's going to be much more than this, but specifically I heard four different things, five things. I heard Lyme's disease. So if you have Lyme's disease, get ready. It's going away. Uh, I saw somebody with um, some toenail issues that it's just causing pain. Uh, I heard the word cancer. And then I heard um, feminine and digestive issues. And I want to tell you that he rebukes stomach issues. He rebukes feminine issues. He rebukes pain and he rebukes trauma. Not tomorrow, today. And he redeems impossible to fix situations. And he's so good at it. That's what he loves to do. So if you need breakthrough in any area of your life, the ones that I just said or anything else in the whole world, if you need any level of breakthrough, will you raise your hand right now? I'm not going to make you stand. Just raise it high. Raise it real high. Keep it up. Reunion family, look around you. You know what you get to do. I want you to stand up, move around, make sure every hand that's raised. When someone comes over and um, is going to pray for you, you can put your hand down. But until you have someone who's either sitting or standing next to you to pray for you, don't put your hand down. We have a whole bunch over here. You guys are going to have to get out of your seats. We didn't come to church to watch. We came to participate. And you know what to do. You have about, I'll give you two minutes. We got one more over here. Someone come pray for Matt. We got a couple in the middle there. You're going to have to hop chairs. It's worth hopping chairs for. Jesus paid too high of a price for us not to do this. He paid too high of a price for us just to come and sit and listen and hope we get a good intellectual lesson. No, let's, let's just welcome him. So start praying. Pray out loud. You're not interrupting anyone or anything. Pray out loud. Start binding things. Start loosing things. Start, start getting Jesus the testimonies that he's already paid for. And remember, we're not, we're not twisting his arm. This was his idea. This was his covenant with his kids. Freedom, hope, joy, love, healing, wholeness. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What he's done once, he'll do it again. Keep pressing in. If, there, if you're uh, praying for physical healing, sometime within the next 30 seconds, ask them to test it out, see how they're doing, gauge what's going on in their body. Okay. And just just start blessing 
what the Lord is doing. Just come alongside his agenda. Come alongside his plans. Come into agreement with him. Just for a few more seconds. So, Father, I, I bless what you're doing. I thank you that your name is Healer. Jesus, you're Christ the Healer. That you're the Redeemer, the Restorer, the Perfecter of all things. That life flows when you walk into the room and you're here. Thank you that we get to host you. Yeah, thank you for hungry hearts. Thank you for people that will take you up on your promises. So we bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You can have a seat if you're standing. Uh, does anybody, I don't know who was getting prayed for what, but if anybody was receiving physical, like prayer for physical healing, um, does anybody feel like you just received healing in your body? I don't know. I can't see. If you get healed at any point during the service, just wave your hands Go a little crazy and get my attention. Okay, I can't tell. All right, let's start. Let's have some fun. Um, we're, we're on the third week talking about tithing. We took a break uh, last week and had some great wisdom dropped onto us by Gary. Tonight, to, to conclude this thought about tithing, we're going to talk about the concept of stewardship. Stewardship. And the thing that comes to mind with stewardship is something called true riches. And we're going to talk about true riches. If you're, if you're new, if you're a guest, or if you missed any of the first couple of talks about tithing, uh, I would really encourage you to go listen to the podcast. Um, they're from May 1st and 8th. It just says tithing part one, tithing part two. And the reason isn't because we want you to get smarter. The reason is because th those two sermons probably aren't your typical tithing sermons that you're used to hearing. And the Lord specifically said this while we were going into this, um, these, these three weeks talking about tithing. He said, you cannot come along unless you have those things straight in your heart. And he said, right understanding will open doors and answer prayers that you can't get any other way. So we, we've emphasized this now on the, for three weeks that tithing is not a money issue. If you think it's a money issue, you don't understand tithing. Tithing is a lordship issue, and tithing is a heart issue. It actually has very little to do with money. Money is just the vehicle that the Lord tests us in that area. And again, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. But like we saw over the past couple of weeks, the problem is that Jesus says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart actually follows where your treasure goes, where your money goes. And because so many Christians have a stronghold, an actual stronghold in their heart when it comes to finances, God can't fully have our hearts unless he fully has our wallets. Yeah, this is a big deal. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you why this is a big deal. Last, the last time I had you, I think, was two weeks ago, and we talked about faith. And so many times we see this where People are just hungry for the things of God. We will go after anything. We will go to hospitals and lay hands on the dead. We will 
call people on the phone 2,000 miles away and, and pray for the restoration of body parts that are missing to grow back. And that's great. We've seen those things happen. That, that's wonderful. But we'll pray for the dead to rise, but we won't have the faith to give God 10%. That, that's an issue. And that actually is a, in a lordship issue. That, that tells you where your lordship is. And that actually tells you where your strongholds are. Hebrews 11.6, mention, we mentioned this last time also, that it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. That means that there's no area of our lives that is allowed to remain untouched by faith. I heard it say by a very wise man once, he said, nothing in our lives is allowed to remain untouched by faith. Yeah, thank you. I got one guy in the room who's, who's with me. And yet, finances seem to be that one area, that one area that we are actually unwilling to allow faith into. It's not like we, we won't do it when it's convenient. We will do that. But man, when it's inconvenient, maybe it's just wisdom not to tithe. Maybe it's just wisdom not to do this. Or may, maybe it's not wisdom to do that. God does not need your money. You need your money. Am I right? Yeah, God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So go listen to those first two weeks talking about tithing. Um, today I'm going to talk about probably the most important reason why we tithe. I've hinted at it in the past few weeks, but today we're going to look it straight in the face. We're going to lock eyes with it, and it's this. Tithing is the secret weapon to get all of your prayers answered. Okay. Thank you. And I'm going to, I'm going to say this because a whole bunch of people, I think the people in the back, people in the back always have issues with, they're the ones at church who always have issues. I'm not talking about a prosperity preaching error where people say, give me, send me a million dollars and God will heal you. That's offensive and that's gross. And that actually grieves the Holy Spirit of God. You can't buy blessing you can't buy healing. You can't buy love. You can't buy favor. He's already bought those things. He's the one who's paid for those things. You can't buy them. Okay. But when we allow his lordship to reign over finances in our hearts, that's when he'll actually trust us with true riches. I'm going to tell you, I want true riches, unashamedly. Lavish me with true riches, Lord. And I'm, I will also be very honest with you. $25 million would solve a whole lot of things for us. Okay? It would. Like, there were, there's a lot of things that we're fasting and praying and asking the Lord for. That $25 million, I'm just saying, Lord, I'm not saying that's the only answer, but that would be an answer. But listen, when, when we talk about these reunion God targets, there's like two that have to do specifically with finances. And there's about, I don't know, 11 that have nothing to do with finances. And the reason is $25 million is actually worthless for most of those God targets. Even the financial tar God targets are not about money. They're about his lordship and they're about hearts. When God... When we fully give God our finances, we'll actually fully give him our hearts. 
And when we fully give him our hearts, then we get true riches. I want true riches. He can have my wallet. The truth of the matter is that true riches are far more valuable than money. People say, what's more valuable than money? I don't know. How about this one? Have you read Proverbs? Wisdom is more valuable than money. Knowledge is more valuable than gold. So we're going to look at two familiar scriptures tonight. The first one is the parable of the minas. And uh, we're going to read the majority of this passage. And the, the, over, like the summary is that this master comes and he gives three workers what's called a mina. And uh, each of these workers multiplies that mina to a different degree. Now, a mina in that day, it, it was worth about four months of wages. So think about how much money you make in a year. And it was about a quarter of that or a third of that. Okay. So here we go. Do we have Luke 19 ready to go? 19, starting in verse 11. While, we're, while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they stopped and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant, distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 minas or, you know, four months, six months. What did I say? Four months wages. Good job. You're on it. He gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. Say business. They'd done some kingdom business. The first appeared saying, master, your mina has made 10 minas more. So one mina turned into 10 for this guy. And he said to him, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over 10 cities. Then the second one came saying, your mina master has made five minas. And he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. Another came saying, master, here's your mina, which I kept and put away in a handkerchief for I was afraid of you because you're an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. And let me just pause there. The master actually wasn't corrupt. The slave thought he was corrupt. And so what the master says here is he says, okay, fine. If you want to judge me that way, let's play by your rules. So he says, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exacting man taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank and having come, I would have collected it with interest? Then he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, master, he already has 10 minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Pretty harsh on that, that last guy. Let's look at another passage, Luke 16. Again, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? 
And if you have not been faithful with the youth, with the use of that, which is another's, who will give you that, which is your own? In other words, Jesus makes a distinction here between money and true riches. And he says, if you can't steward money, the thing that's actually of lesser value, you won't get the greater, the thing of greater value. So with that, that principle, or sorry, that parable of the minas, when the master came back, the expectation on the slaves was a multiplication of gifts. He said, here's 10. And when he came back, those who had actually multiplied the gifts were rewarded. Let me put it this way. The minimum expectation was just a little bit of increase. But when, when that slave came and there wasn't even interest gained, he was actually punished for that. A reward was given when it was multiplied. Punishment was issued when it was squandered. So two things stand out about that. The first thing is this. Stewardship of finances led to authority over cities. You would think that if the master gives one guy a mina and he makes 10 minas, the reward would be more minas. Like, hey, here's 10 minas. Go make me 100 minas. In other words, the reward for money, at least in our logic, would be more money. But it's not. That's not what happened. The reward for the unspiritual thing, money, was authority and true riches. Something more valuable than money. The second thing that stands out is that the servant who had the surplus was given more. That's offensive. We don't like that. And, and not only that, the more that was given came from the one who had less. Like, wait a minute. That, that, that's not fair. I'm going to just tell you something about God. He's not fair. Let me tell you something else about God. He's not nice. He's not fair and he's not nice. But he's kind and he's just. And his, his system is very different from the worldly system. Later in, in the Matthew 25 account, um, these bad stewards were called worthless, wicked, and lazy because they didn't multiply what was given to them. So things, so the, the things that were taken from the one minor person were given to the 10 minor person, the, the person who had more than enough. And again, we say that's not fair. I don't like that. We like it when everyone has the same. And we, we like when, you know, we take from the rich and give to the poor. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Robin Hood. That is not God. And I, I know this is, I'm trying to be funny, but I just want to tell you something. God isn't fair. He's not an equal opportunity employer. He has favorites. He has beloveds. He loves everyone the same, but he doesn't have favor for everyone the same. Jesus said in that parable, give more to the one in abundance because he's the trustworthy one. He's called faithful. He's the one that I can trust with my wealth and my blessings. The one in abundance. There's a similar parable to this in Matthew 25. We're not going to read it because it's almost identical. Um, there's just two small differences. This one isn't the parable of the minas. It's called the parable of the talents. Talents is another sum of money. Um, just a few details that are different, but basically it's the same story. And when I was growing up, I thought it was the same story, just talking like calling the money different things, but it's not. These details are actually really important. 
So in the minas, the story of the minas, everyone got one mina and they multiplied it, except for that one guy. But in the story of, or sorry, yeah, in the story of the talents, a talent was a very different sum of money. And this master, in this story, he doesn't give everyone one. He comes and gives one servant five talents. He gives one servant two talents. And he gives one servant one, one talent. The guy who got five talents made five more. The guy who had two talents makes two more. And the guy who was given one talent goes and buries it in the ground and makes no more. So he actually has the same amount as when the master left him. Here's one of the main differences between minas and talents. A talent is worth far more than a mina. A mina was what, four months? Fact checker, okay. A, a, t a mina was four months of wages. A talent is 6,000 days of, t of earnings. It's a little different. And based on that statistic that a talent is worth 6,000 days of wages, a talent by today's standards, one talent is worth about $1.4 million. Okay? How would you like if someone said, hey, Gary, I need you to watch this $1.4 million for me. Just don't bury it in the ground, right? That means that the person who was given five talents was handed $7 million, and he made $7 million more. The person who had two talents was handed $2.8 million and made $2.8 more. And the person who was handed $1.4 million made $0 more. These are not small amounts of money. Honestly, everyone's like, yeah, I'd love if someone handed me $1.4 million. I don't know if I would because there's an expectation to multiply that. In other words, there's a responsibility attached to stewarding that talent. At the end of this parable in Matthew 25, verse 29, it says this, for to everyone who has more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. In the kingdom, stewardship looks like increase. In the kingdom, stewardship looks like multiplication. In the kingdom, stewardship looks like abundance. You okay? Poor stewardship, which we've seen in both of these parables, is called wicked, lazy, and worthless in his sight. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you in the face and saying, what you did with the things I gave you is wicked, lazy, and worthless. That'd be devastating. So when it comes to tithing, it, it really boils down to what Jesus is showing us in these, these parables. When God knows that he can trust us with the insignificant things, money, then he can give us the significant things. But do not expect to get anything significant if you can't handle the insignificant. The problem is that we think money is significant. And I understand what it's like to have a bill that you can't pay. I understand what it's like to have a car breakdown that you can't afford. But I'm going to tell you something. We have to shift how we think. In other words, we have to repent. We have to see things the way that he sees things. And he says, that's actually an insignificant thing. I have true riches for you if you'll just steward the insignificant really well. 
Again, understand that tithing is not a money issue. It's a lordship issue. It's a heart issue. And one of the biggest stewardship tests in scripture is through finances. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And he wants all of your heart. He does not want part of your heart. Now, let me confuse you thoroughly by showing you two seemingly conflicting principles about stewardship. And they revolve around these two words, wisdom and extravagance. Wisdom and extravagance. It's unfair to say that these are two contradictory terms because sometimes they're one and the same. Wisdom can sometimes run contrary to extravagance. Like if you have a minimum wage paying job and you need a vehicle, a 93 Corolla is what you need, not a 2022 Tesla, okay? That's not wisdom. That'd just be extravagance. However, sometimes wisdom is extravagant. And I want to point this out. I want to show you where this pops up in scripture. It's scary to me that kingdom generosity and fleshly wastefulness will often look exactly the same. Kingdom generosity and fleshly wastefulness will often be indistinguishable in the physical. Both appear very virtuous and spiritual. They can look exactly the same, but one will actually be life-giving and wise, and the other will be a whitewashed tomb. Looks exactly the same. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, how you can have two worship services exact same songs, same setup, same tempo, same everything. And one will be life-giving and bodies are healed and chains are broken. Um, You know, people are set free from lives of sin. And the other one is just singing songs and dead. So let's, let's look at these ideas of wisdom and extravagance. And we have to move out of this idea that they're competing. They're not, except when they are. Confusing? Okay, good. So On one hand, let's look at this. Those who don't understand bountiful sowing, sowing, like sowing and reaping, those who don't understand bountiful sowing will view it as waste. And that's why so many people sow very sparingly. It's because, if at all, because they don't understand the concept of sowing and reaping. I don't have a slide for this, but just believe me, I'm quoting Matthew 26, verses 7 through 8 says, a woman came to him, to Jesus, with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, why this waste? So we, we won't get into this whole context. We've probably spoken about this fairly recently. But in this particular instance, in this particular story, Jesus received the most beautiful, costly, extravagant worship possible. And the disciples say this is a waste. And yet Jesus says this, truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in her memory. Can you imagine giving him an offering that was so costly that he says, essentially, anytime anyone ever tells good news about me, we're going to mention her because of what she did, this lavish, extravagant worship. Similarly, Mark chapter 12, uh, you guys know the story. Jesus and his disciples are sitting at the treasury in the temple, and they see all these religious leaders come and just put huge sums of money in, 
mega money. And then this old widow who comes and puts in two copper coins, and it says that's worth about one cent. So these two coins, about a penny. And Jesus says this to the disciples, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors for the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. In other words, she spent all that she had. She gave everything, literally, financially, to Jesus. Okay, so here we have lavish worship, alabaster jars, these two mites, that was the the copper coins that, that the widow put in. And now we have to have this tension and look at the other side of that. Because Proverbs, all throughout the book, talks about how fools spend all that they have. Yet Jesus didn't treat that poor widow as a fool, and she spent all that she had. How, how does that make sense? Um, again, I don't have a slide for this, but 1 Timothy 5.8, this is harsh. This is not like happy, fun Bible lessons with Sam. This is like, okay, buckle up. 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. Oof. There are times that we think that we're moving in spiritual discipline, not realizing that we're actually being irresponsible bad stewards. So how do we know what to do? Waste it all, lavish him with love, save it, invest it. Yes. It, it, this is what it boils down to and what so many Christians don't want to do is that they don't want to hear his voice. They want to hear his principle. This is why there's tension in the Bible because you have to hear his voice and ask him, which, which time is it? Is this a lavish time or is this a saving time? And without that voice, you will follow principle over presence. You can take any principle of the kingdom and make it an idol by not listening to the voice that's supposed to come along with that principle. So in other words, Christians should be the most generous people on earth. Like that's a given. If you've read your Bible, you understand this. But I've seen so many Christians move by principle instead of presence, and they've ruined their life by trying to find the kingdom without the king. Christians should embrace the principle of generosity, but without the generous one directing our thoughts, our generosity instantly becomes foolish and wasteful. And we're like, yeah, but I gave all I have. And God's up there like, why? I didn't tell you to do that. You literally just threw it away. And you want me to reward you for that? No, I'm sorry. That's not how it works. Uh, I, I heard this story from a pastor and his heart was missions. That's what he loved to do. It's, he would go over and above. And anytime he ever heard about missionaries overseas needing money, he would just write a check. He, he was well off. He had enough money where he didn't even have to think about it. It wasn't a big deal. And it was just such a beautiful thing that he and the Lord had this relationship where he was just like, if there's a need, I'm going to fill it for missions. And it was something the Lord asked him to do. The problem was he started moving in the principle and not listening to the voice, not going by the presence. And so he was, he was a young man. He was at a prayer meeting and, uh, you know, most of his friends, they were in their twenties at the time. 
you don't have a ton of money in your 20s, all right? Like, amen? All right. You just don't have a ton of money in your 20s. And so here's all these 20-somethings hearing about this missionary overseas and how they need $800. And so this pastor, because this was like, this was his thing. This was his deal with God. This is what he does. He just like says like, I'm going to write the whole check right now. He pulls out his checkbook, writes a, a check for $800. Problem solved, right? Glory to God. Well, he goes home that night and God has a conversation with him. And God says to him, you robbed me tonight. And he's like, wait a minute. I like, maybe you got the wrong house. I just gave $800 to these, you know, missionaries in Africa. I didn't rob you. And he says, no, you actually robbed me. It wasn't for the African missionaries. You robbed me from blessing the other people in the room. And he said, I wasn't asking you to write a check for $800. I was asking you to write a check for $400 and somehow you decided to write it for $800. In other words, God said, I wanted those other people in the room to write and give me a costly offering that would have equaled 400 because that would have been a sacrifice for them and I would have richly blessed them for that. I would have richly rewarded them. But your disobedience robbed me of that blessing. God was mad because this guy sowed into a good thing. Do you understand the idea that principles don't replace presence? I've, I've seen this dozens of times in my own life. I've known literally dozens, if not, dare I say, hundreds of people who are barely surviving financially, paycheck to paycheck, zero dollars in their bank account on a good day, and somehow they come across money, and instead of paying their bills, instead of providing for their family, they immediately give that money to a homeless person or send it overseas or to a friend or a family member who's lost their job or is hurting. Meanwhile, they're three months behind in rent, phone, vehicle, electricity, and they get themselves in terrible jams, and they say, God, why aren't you blessing me for giving it all away? And God says, I'm not asking you to give it all away. What are you doing? I'm trying to provide for you and you won't let me. Is giving to the homeless good? Yes, except when it's not. You were real quick to say yes. But guess what? Sometimes it says, no, no, no. I need you to do something else with that, that mina that I gave you. I need, I need you to do something else with that talent. Because I'm telling you right now, he will take account for what we do with our minas and our talents. And you don't want to come empty-handed and stand before the master. People say, why isn't God providing for me? I gave him everything. I gave him everything. Yeah, that's the problem. He didn't, he will ask for everything financially sometimes. And when we give everything, when he says, no, 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 I, I want $400 instead of $800, he actually calls that unwise, even though it's a kingdom principle. He calls it foolish and wicked and lazy. And again, I've just known too many people who have a lifestyle. And listen, I'm saying a lifestyle, okay? Because I know everyone gets in a pinch and everyone gets into seasons that are tough. But I'm talking about people who have lived and managed a lifestyle of requiring God to bail them out in the 11th hour, year after year. And they've come to me and said, see, God is happy with my decisions. He's blessing me once again in the 11th hour Praise the Lord. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, he's not blessing you. He's bailing you out. 
It's like he's saying, I'm saving you because I'm good, not because you're a good steward. I'm bailing you out and don't confuse that for me endorsing your reckless behavior. I'm just a good dad. And my point is that Christians should lead the way in providing for others, for the homeless, for the jobless, for friends and family in need. Our baseline is autopilot, but you cannot, or sorry, our baseline is generosity, but we can't go into autopilot and lose sight of the cloud because I'm telling you, this is the test to see if you still hear his voice is he will do 20 times in a row where he asks you to do the same thing. And then you start to think like, okay, I know for the 21st time how it's going to be. And he will purposefully on the 21st time do it completely backwards and opposite to how he had been doing just to see if you're listening. And we, we think like, oh, you know, now it's the 100th time that I've done this thing. And he's like, yeah, but you stopped being obedient 80 times ago. The first 20, you nailed it, but then you stopped listening. Again, without the generous one directing our thoughts, our generosity becomes foolish and wasteful. There's a time to be lavish with everything that we have and pour out that costliness of sacrifice, something that costs us dearly. Other times, it's time to save and invest and make five or 10 more minas. Other times, it's, it's your neighbor's time to give everything. And if you butt in and steal that blessing from the Lord, it's not given to you as righteousness. I want to tell you, there is times to be lavish and extravagant, and there's a time to save and scrimp, and both are called wisdom. Both are called beautiful. You just have to hear his voice as to which time it is. So I want to close with this. Just like we have the past two or three times we've talked about tithing and finances and giving. You don't need to hear me tell you about it. You need to hear him tell you about it. So we're going to put 60 seconds on our internal clocks. And you're literally just going to ask the Holy Spirit what you're supposed to do with this message. That's it. We're not putting the, the tithe stuff back on the screen. We're not passing envelopes. You're an adult. You're a sheep. You hear his voice. You're responsible if, you're, if you function exactly the same, good job. You've been hearing well. If he's asking you, asking you to change something, good job. You're hearing his voice. He will count that to you as righteousness. So take 60 seconds and literally just ask him, what am I supposed to do with this? So here's what we're going to do to close. Um, we're going to repent tonight. And our ministry time, which is um, we always have at the end, it's going to be a time of repentance. We've talked for three weeks about tithing. 
about how it's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. It's a lordship issue. And we have to repent on our thoughts about faith, about giving, about money. Because I think far too often we oversell how important money is and undersell the true riches. And we will go after true riches tonight. But I'm telling you, the way to true riches is to steward the insignificant riches. Money. We're going to repent and invite him into areas of our lives where we've asked him to be savior, but haven't allowed him to be Lord. Finances, marriage, health. We're going to repent and ask him into what we've held on to, and we're going to give him the keys to our hearts. Listen, he could take it. He's that powerful, but he wants you to give it to him. And I feel like in the room, there are people who need specific miracles. Some, some of you need favor. Some of you need health, healing in your body. Some of you need to get set free of mindsets and heart postures. Some of you need to step out of sin and into grace. Um, we had someone on our team tonight, our glory pastor for the night, was saying that they really felt like the Lord was going to set people free from anxious and neurotic mindsets and behaviors just because they get right with the Lord when it comes to tithing. Not money. Money's insignificant. But tithing. Some people on this, quote, self-healing journeys are going to turn and see the reality of Jesus' healing. Mindsets will go from Jesus has my back as I heal myself to I looked in his eyes, he spoke, and I was healed. Not tomorrow, tonight, now. There's other people in the room who have never made him Lord of your life. You've never said yes to Jesus. There's people in this room who if you died tonight, you wouldn't know if you would go to heaven. You don't know if you would go to hell. You don't know if you're in right standing with God. There's so many things that we need to come to him and repent about. And I want to tell you, all of those things are true riches. They're far more valuable than money. So can everybody stand? And tonight we're going to go after the things that Jesus paid for. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to bless you guys. That will be our official dismissal. Don't forget to pick up your kids. But I, I'm just... I'm not asking you to do this. Don't do this to be nice to me or to be a good little churchgoer. Only do this if he's asking you. But I feel very strongly that probably most of the people in this room need to come to the front and repent. Doesn't mean get saved, although it could be salvation. Doesn't mean um, means you've been a bad steward of your finances. Could mean that. I just think we need to change our mindsets on a whole lot of things tonight because if we don't get these things right, we can't go where he's asking us to go. And God has way more time than us. He's very patient. He will wait on us. But I'm just telling you, I don't want to wait for true riches. We shouldn't wait for true riches. Let's get these things right. Let's start asking him for more and more and more of the mind of Christ because we have unlimited access to it. Father, I bless this house. And prayer team, if you want to come up on the side, again, over on the side tonight. Father, I bless this house. I bless this family. Thank you that you are more generous than anyone or anything in history. You're more valuable than anyone or anything. 
You are the true reward. And we commit these things to you that we've learned about the past month. We commit our finances to you because when we do that, when we lay our finances at the foot of the throne, when they actually come under the lordship of Jesus, then you get our whole hearts. And so we give you our whole hearts tonight. Take it all. Have the keys. You're welcome. Do whatever you need to do. So I bless you in Jesus' name. If you want prayer for anything, I want you to come on up to the front. Any of these spaces up here, and you just find the Lord. We'll put on some music. You get to receive from the Lord. You get to ask him the questions. You get to come into agreement with him. We do have a prayer team. They're going to come around and just lay hands and start blessing you, asking you, like, what are we praying for? Um, That's very important. If you feel like, I don't know if I'm actually a follower of Jesus. If you want to do that, where's Shane? Shane in the house? Oh, back there by the mirror. Okay. If, if that's you, I want you to find Shane and he's going to talk you through that whole process. Um, this is the official dismissal. We just ask that if you're wanting to hang out, please have conversations in the hallway. This is a sacred place that we want to let the Holy Spirit move and minister without distraction. So we love you guys and we'll see you next week. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5 live at Kahalamal. Aloha.